Oh, it's so great to see you all today. As he mentioned, my name is Tychicus, and I'm here on behalf of the Apostle Paul, and I'm so, so happy to see all of you all here. This letter from Paul is huge and massive and earth-shattering, and I'm, I'm beside myself that I get to share it with you all today. So, uh, the Apostle Paul sent uh, me to you to... Oh my goodness, Irene, is that you? Oh my goodness, Irene, how are you doing? Hi, it's so great to see you. I love what you've done with your hair. Very nice, it's been a long time, hasn't it? How, how have things been going? Everything has been going well, oh, thanks good, so much for good. asking. How, how's your wrist doing? I know you had it's a cooking better. accent a couple it's years ago. <laughs> it's, it's going all right? Yes. Oh, good to see you. And, this is your burly husband, Apollonius, isn't it? How are you doing, sir? It's so good to see you. Are you, are you taking good care of her? Excellent. Good. She's a keeper, all right? Yeah, yes. It's so good to see you all. I'm Absolutely. sorry, everybody. That was Absolutely. an awkward way to begin things. It's so, so great. Oh, I've been meaning to tell you, thank you so much for recommending that I connect with Cyrus and Sophia and Miletus. Sophia is an incredible cook. The fish and trips, chips, amazing. So they send their love. It's, it's so good to see you all. I'm sorry, everyone. I just had to see my friends in the audience. <laughs> okay, so back on track. Um, so Paul sent me to you in order to um, deliver this letter to you and Isiodora, you're growing up right before our very eyes. How are you doing? Oh my goodness. What are you, about 15, 16 now? Oh, could you stand up and just give everyone a twirl? Oh, yeah, she is just growing up, isn't she? How, how's everything going? I know it's, life is challenging as a slave. Things are going okay. Is, you, is your master here by any chance? No, okay, well, I'm, I'm so glad you have this community of people to, to help you grow and, and just provide you support. It's, oh, it's so good to see you all. I'm, I might as well see if there's anyone else here that I, that I recognize. Leonidas, it's great to see you. Oh, and oh, Olympia, hi. It's so good to see you too. Sosthenes, hey, hey, how those knees, huh? And uh, Phylon, mm, it's great to see you. Remember that joke? Mm. Yeah, you all had to be there. <laughs> it's good to see you. Oh, I hope you all stay, stay around afterwards. I can't wait to, to catch up with each of you. Um, wow, all right. Uh, what am I doing here today? Oh, yes, I have this letter from Paul. Um, so, as I mentioned, I'm here on behalf of the Apostle Paul to deliver and, and read this letter for you all today. And when Paul, you know, gave me this letter as I was on my way out on my journey, he, um, <laughs> sorry. You all know Paul. He, um, oh my goodness, you all don't know Paul, do you? I mean, you know him by reputation, of course, but, but has anyone here actually met Paul before? Wow. How do I describe Paul? Ooh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a quick story. Okay, so some of you may remember uh, yeah, Alexander. Hi, how are you doing? Good to see you. You were with me. Yeah, so some of us, uh, some time ago, were traveling around collecting, uh, collecting gifts from Gentile churches in order to take to Jerusalem. Our Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ there had been experiencing severe poverty and, you know, I just want to pause the story there for just one second. And, and can we just acknowledge how amazing it is to, to say our Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ, right? I mean, because all of us grew up with such a hostility towards the Jewish people, this hostility ingrained in us since birth. I mean, how many times did we hear somebody growing up saying, you know, 
they are authors of sedition. They follow their own laws and, and they, don't, they don't even put up images of our emperor. I mean, that's not fair. Or what's another thing we used to, we used to hear growing up? Um, oh, yeah, they don't follow the true gods, the same gods that everyone else worships. Or uh, here's another classic one we heard. Uh, they believe their God is in control and yet other nations rule over them. What kind of a real God would allow that? That's nonsense. And so I just, I just wanted to pause the story and say, you know, it's, it's humbling for us to think about the fact that before we became Christians, we shared the same animosity towards the Jewish people. And let me just say, I know you can correct me by saying that this hostility wasn't just one-sided. I know many of us have experienced hostility from the circumcision as well. And we've all heard about that wall in their temple. You know, the one that partitions off the Gentiles from the Jewish area with a sign that says, if any Gentiles go further into the inner court, they will be put to death. I mean, talk about a dividing wall of hostility, right? Oh boy, I really went off topic, didn't I? <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't remember what I was talking about. Does anyone remember what, uh, what story I was? Oh yes, oh, okay. Yes, Paul and, and the, the, our Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, so I was telling this story about our, our journey to uh, Jerusalem. Sorry, I get off topic sometimes. My head's, I get a little excited being up here. And so, uh, some of us Gentiles, were chosen to raise funds to meet up with Paul and to deliver the gifts to Jerusalem. Now, I had met Paul years earlier before. I mean, he was the one who taught me the gospel and inspired me to follow Jesus, and so we'd kept in touch. But this mission to Jerusalem, this was my first opportunity to spend a significant amount of time with him. Oh, the talks we had. <laughs> you know, he told me about his desire to go to Rome one day. Rome, I said? Why do we need to go to Rome when Rome is already everywhere around us? You know, crosses holding the threat of punishment literally over our heads in our cities. I mean, the constant rhetoric of peace and salvation that Rome has supposedly brought to us, as if we're living in this great climactic narrative in which Caesar our Lord, Caesar our Savior has come to power. But Paul said, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Savior. And he was determined to go right into the heart of Caesar's city, and I was determined to go with him. I would go to the ends of the earth with this man. I went off topic again, didn't I? I'm so sorry. Oh, take a goose, get it together. Uh, sorry, when I talk about Paul, I just, there's so many stories that I could tell. All right, I promise I'm gonna stay on topic this time. Okay, so our mission to Jerusalem. Along the way, we made a stop in Troas, and that's where things got very interesting. So on the last night, there was a large gathering at the home of a man named Carpus, and we were all gathered together on the third floor of the house. And now keep in mind, it was late, people had been working all day, it was very hot. And when Paul speaks about Jesus, how do I say this? When Paul speaks about Jesus, he can really get going, and boy did he on this night. And in spite of how tired people were, he was bringing it home, and they were enthralled. He took them through the scriptures, guiding them through Israel's history, because these were Gentiles and knew very little about the Jewish story, about how God had given Israel the covenants of promise, choosing and separating them from the other nations through the act of circumcision and by obedience to the works of the law he gave them, and how God had given them hope 
by promising these citizens of Israel that he would one day pour out his Holy Spirit, forgive their trespasses, dwell among them, establish his kingdom, and raise them from the dead. And by the way, some of the people were objecting by saying, where do the Gentiles fit into this story? And actually, that's a very good question. And to answer that, it would take me off topic again. So I promised I would stay on topic. So we'll deal with that later. But in the story, Paul then started to speak passionately about how he had been a persecutor of the followers of Jesus until he saw Jesus face to face, raised from the dead or after his crucifixion thus confirming that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah and that all of God's promises were being fulfilled in him. And at some point, I can't remember when, I became aware of my surroundings. And uh, it's, you know, some people were tired, some people were really enthralled, um, and I began to notice this little boy over in the corner who was about 11, 12 years old. His name was uh, Eutychus. Uh, and he was starting to fall asleep, and you know, doing one of these numbers. And, you know, I, I looked around and you know, there was no place to sit, and so that's why he was sitting uh, there on the window. And all of the sudden, we hear this loud thud. Eutychus had fallen out of the window asleep. And so there was panic and chaos, and everyone ran outside and gathered around the boy, and, and it was very clear that the boy was dead. And so Paul then pushed through the crowd, and he fell onto Eutychus and embraced him, and we saw his lifeless body come back to life. And Paul said, it's okay, he's alive again. Paul had been speaking about a resurrection and, and we witnessed a resurrection. So we went back up into the house celebrating, rejoicing, and we continued to listen to Paul talk about Jesus and his incredible calling to the church. So, as you can see, there's never a dull moment when Paul's around. I mean, I could tell you so many stories like this from our years of travel. And now he's there in Rome itself, where he so much wanted to go and take the gospel, and he's in prison on false charges, of course. How, how he wishes he could have traveled here with me to be with you all. I'm not going to downplay the amount of suffering he has experienced or is experienced. It has been rough. But he's staying strong and faithful in the Lord, continuing to preach the gospel and exalt Christ in all situations. I mean, you're going to hear that in the letter. But here's the thing that really amazes me. He's there in chains. The conditions are appalling. It's cold, dark, uncomfortable, stenches, horrendous. It's solitary and lonely. He certainly earned the right to think about himself for a little while. Wallow a little in self-pity. Ha! Not Paul. Do you want to know what he's doing there in that Roman prison? He's thinking about you. You. All of you. People he's never even met. Like Apollonius and Irene and, and Isiodora and Alexander, and all the brothers and sisters in Miletus, uh, and Troas, and Colossae, and Smyrna, all the churches that have been planted by Paul or were planted by his followers, as in your case, he loves you. 
like he loved that little boy who tumbled out of the window in Troas. And if he could fall upon you right now and bring your discouraged hearts back to life, he would do so in a moment. But since he can't be here, he has entrusted this letter to me to carry from church to church like a written embrace, pumping the life of the gospel through the veins of those who were once dead in their sins, but who have been made alive in Christ. You all don't know Paul, but he knows what you are dealing with. And believe me, what he doesn't know about Asia, I tell him. And we pray about you all every day. He knows how confusing it is to live in a world where everyone is telling you different things, who to worship, how to live virtuously, how to find happiness. I mean, there are so many voices. How do you sort out who to listen to? I grew up here in this province, and I still remember as a little boy in my house, there being all sorts of candles and incense all around and, and places to make offerings and uh, and and you know, all, all sorts of statues of gods and goddesses. And I remember there were so many trips to the temple and so many uh, festivals and drink offerings and animal sacrifices and prayers that had to be recited in exactly the correct way. You all know the drill. And I, I remember my parents telling me that doing these things would secure divine favor from the rulers and powers in the heavenly realms and that this would bring our family safety and make us prosperous and that our city would be safe from war and danger and, and that we would be prosperous and successful. And like you, I've, I've left these gods and goddesses in the past, but I understand. And Paul understands how easy it is for worry and fear to creep back in. How can we know for sure that we will be safe and secure now and in the future? And let's not even talk about the philosophers, okay? <laughs> Actually, let's talk about them. Irene, you were a big fan of Epicurus, weren't you? Now, what was, what was Epicurus's uh, chief idea for finding happiness? If you can't remember, uh, this was his chief idea right here at the top. For the end of all our actions is to be free from pain and fear. And when once we have attained all this, the tempest of the soul is laid. All right, so that's deep, isn't it? That's deep. Yeah, that's very, very deep. So do actions to avoid pain. Yeah, all right. And uh, wow, I think we uh, ruffled a few, few feathers over here. Where's, where's my Leonidas? Where did, oh, there's Leonidas. Yeah, now you were a big fan of uh, Epictetus the Stoic, weren't you? Yeah, didn't the Stoics object by saying like, look, you can get hurt and have pain whether you do things or not, right? So, so what was his, his famous thing that he said here? Seek not good from without, seek it from within. Mm, all right, yeah, and, and Alexander, where's my Alexander over here? Yeah, you were a cynic, weren't you? Now, uh, Diogenes was your guy. Now, do you remember one of the, the chief things that he said down here? Uh, he hears the most who is most content with the least. So profound. So the cynics didn't desire anything at all. No actions, no habits, nothing. And, and I know many of you all were huge fans of Plato, weren't you? Yeah, like me. So when I say plate, you say, oh, plate? Plate? Oh, I loved one of his sayings. Character is simply long habit continued. I mean, look at all of them. 
each of these philosophers offering you a, a wisdom to live a flourishing human life as if, uh, as if they know what true wisdom is, telling you these best character-forming practices to act prudently in all situations. Think this way, do these things, and you will be wise. You'll have the life you dreamed of, or will you? I mean, good, good grief. There are teachers inside the church that are confusing people these days. I just spent a week in the Lycus Valley at Colossae, Hierapolis, Laodicea, and I had to fix this huge mess that was going on there. Some traveling preacher had been going around and telling people that faith is just a, a, a private matter between you and God. Refrain from certain practices and you can have heavenly visions. No need to be in church, no need to be in community, that's messy and difficult. Anyways, you can experience this spiritual ecstasy of the fullness of God in you privately. What could be better than that, this preacher said. But he has no idea what God is doing through the church. I mean, you'll see from hearing this letter that for Paul, it is way bigger than just you and me. Let's read the letter. Now, you're probably thinking about my earlier comment about how I said Paul can really get going when he starts talking about Jesus, and you're probably like, Ticket Goose, you can really get going. I hear you. Let's read the letter. <clears throat> uh, because <laughs> I, hope, uh, I hope you don't fall out of the window when I read this to you. Uh, if you do, you're on your own, I'm afraid. I mean, I can give a pretty good bear hug, but I can't promise a resurrection, okay? <laughs> uh? <laughs> okay, I'll read the letter. <clears throat> Now just imagine Paul speaking to you from prison. From Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints, the faithful in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we may be holy and unblemished in his sight in love. By predestining us to adoption as his sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace that he has freely bestowed on us in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he has lavished on us in all wisdom and insight by revealing to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ toward the administration of the fullness of the times, that is to sum up all things in Christ, the things in heaven and the things on earth, in whom we too 
have been claimed as God's own possession. Since we were predestined according to the one purpose of him who accomplishes all things by the counsel of his will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope in Christ, would be to the praise of his glory, in whom you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, who is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in your growing knowledge of him, since the eyes of your heart have been enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the incomparable greatness of his power at work toward us who believe, as displayed in the exercise of his immense strength, which he exercised in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above every rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come, and God put all things under Christ's feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And although you were dead in your sins and transgressions, in which you formerly lived out your lives according to the world's present age, according to the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the ruler of the spirit who is now energizing the sons of disobedience, among whom all of us lived out our lives in the cravings of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and the mind and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he has loved us, even though we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you are saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ, in order to demonstrate in the coming ages the surpassing wealth of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. It is not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship having been created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God planned beforehand so that we may do them. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision that is performed on the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were without the Messiah, being alienated from the life of God, having no hope and without God in the world. 
But now, in Christ Jesus, you who are far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace who made both groups into one, and who destroyed the middle wall of partition, the hostility, when he rendered inoperative in his flesh the law of commandments in decrees. He did this in order to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and to reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by which the hostility has been killed. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those who were near so that through him we both have access to the Father in one spirit. So, you are no longer foreigners and non-citizens, but you are fellow citizens among the saints and members of God's household because you have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone in whom the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, that by revelation the divine mystery was made known to me, as I wrote briefly before, so that when reading this you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in former generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, namely, that through the gospel, the Gentiles are fellow heirs fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus, of which I became a servant of this gospel according to the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the exercise of his power to me, less than the least of all the saints. This grace was given in order to proclaim to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to enlighten everyone about God's mysterious plan, a mystery that has been kept hidden for ages in God who has created all things. The purpose of this enlightenment is that through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God should now be disclosed to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to the eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and confident access to God through Christ's faithfulness. For this reason, I ask you not to lose heart because of what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the wealth of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner person 
that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith so that because you have been rooted and grounded in love, you may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the height and depth and length and breadth and thus to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power that is work within us is able to do far more than we ask or think. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations. Amen. I therefore, a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus, urge you to live worthily of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you two were called to one hope of your calling, one Lord one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he captured captives, he gave gifts to men. Now what is the meaning of he ascended except that he also descended to the lower regions, namely the earth? He, the very one who descended, is also the one who ascended above all of the heavens in order to fill all things. It was he who gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That is to build up the body of Christ so that we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God a mature person attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. So, we are no longer to be children, tossed back and forth by waves and blown away by every wind of teaching, by the trickery of people who craftily carry out their deceitful schemes, but practicing the truth in love. We will in all things grow up into Christ who is the head. From him, the whole body grows, fitted and held together through every supporting ligament. As each does its part, the body grows in love. So I say this and insist in the Lord that you no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. Because they are callous, they have given themselves over to indecency for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn about Christ like this. If indeed you heard about him and were taught in him just as the truth is in Jesus, you were taught with reference to your former way of life to lay aside the old man who is being corrupted in accordance with deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of your minds 
and to put on the new man who has been created in accordance with God in righteousness and holiness that comes from the truth. Therefore, having laid aside falsehood, each of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on the cause of your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity. The one who steals must steal no longer. Rather, he must labor, doing good with his own hands so that he may have something to share with the one who has need. You must let no unwholesome talk come from your mouths, but only what is beneficial for the one who has need, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. You must put away all bitterness, anger, wrath, quarreling, and evil, slanderous talk. Instead, be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. But among you, there must not be either sexual immorality, impurity of any kind, or greed, as these are not fitting for the saints. Neither should there be vulgar speech, foolish talk, or coarse jesting, all of which are out of character, but rather thanksgiving. For you can be confident of this one thing, that no person who is immoral, impure, or greedy, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were at one time darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. So do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, for the things they do in secret are shameful even to mention. But all things being exposed to the light are made evident, for everything made evident is light. And for this reason it says, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So therefore, be very careful about how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, taking advantage of every opportunity, because the days are evil. For this reason, do not be foolish, but be wise by understanding what the Lord's will is. And do not get drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God for each other in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, he himself 
being the savior of the body. But as the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to sanctify her by the washing of the water with the word in order to present the church to himself as glorious, not having a stain or wrinkle or any such blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and takes care of it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, it says, a man shall leave his father and mother and will be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is great. But I'm actually speaking about reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each one of you must love his own wife as he loves himself and let the wife respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in everything for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment accompanied by a promise that it may go well with you and that you will live a long time on the earth. Slaves, Obey your human masters in fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. And not like those who only do their work when someone is watching as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Obey with enthusiasm as though serving the Lord and not people. Because you know that each person, whether slave or free, if he does something good, this will be rewarded by the Lord. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way, giving up the use of threats, because you know that both you and they have the same master in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Finally, be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Clothe yourselves with the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand on the evil day and having done everything to stand. Stand firm, therefore, by fastening the belt of truth around your waist, by putting on the breastplate of righteousness, by fitting your feet with a preparation that comes from the gospel of peace, and in all of this, by taking up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. With every prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit and to this end be alert with all perseverance and requests for all of the saints. And pray for me also 
that I may be given the message when I begin to speak, that I may confidently make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may be able to speak boldly as I ought to speak. Tychicus, my dear friend and faithful servant in the Lord, will make everything known to you so that you too may know my circumstances, how I am doing. I sent him to you for this very, very purpose so that you may know my circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and sisters in Christ and love with faith from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus with an undying love. I never quite know what to say after reading one of Paul's letters, and so I'll let the text speak for itself. Thank you.